today we are continuing our series in, in miracles. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that word, a lot comes to my mind. I've got a lot of questions. When I hear, like, mir miracles at church or miracles generally, it, it makes me have a lot of questions. Um, and, it, it, you know, sometimes I, I feel like, oh, what, what do we mean by that? And, and, but the way we're, we're approaching this is we're looking at the Gospel of John and the seven miracle signs that he records. John records these, and at the end, we're going to read this verse in a second, he tells us why he records these miracles and why he wrote that gospel. Um, just a minute ago, Gerald was up here, and he was preaching, right? Um, and he was preaching about the greatest miracle of all. He was preaching about life that is found in Christ. He's preaching about the transformation that happens when we recognize and glorify God and the work that Jesus has already done for us, that we have victory in him, that we are assured of our salvation, and that we can walk in faith. Okay, so it's, it's already happened. It is finished. We have seen the miracle. Right? Now, when we're... We also, throughout the scripture, we see Jesus healing people. We see the dead raised. We see blind eyes open. And we believe in this church that God still is at work around us. And that if we believe, and it's according to his will, he can still do these things and does do these things. I'm going to share a personal testimony um, that God did in my life in a little bit. Who in here, and this kid, you know, sometimes doesn't go well, but... Would be all right. Who in here has either personally experienced or had a loved one or someone close who's experienced what you would say is a miracle? Okay, yeah, about, about half of us. I'd say that's about right. God's at work. He's still moving and working and active. And if we will put aside disbelief, God help me in my unbelief to believe, right? Isn't that what we should be proclaiming constantly? It's like, just help me believe. Help me extend my faith. Help me put myself out there a little more. Um, I heard a report, and this is just extra for today. <clears throat> I heard a report. I'm going to get to the sermon, I promise. I heard a report um, in one of the podcasts I listened to about the underground church in Afghanistan. And... This is true about the underground church all throughout um, the world. That, that the, our Afghan Christian church is seeing salvations every day and is growing faster than most, most of the church in, in, around the world. In the midst of extreme persecution, in the midst of, you know, intentional killing of those of faith, the church is growing, and here's how they do it. And this is encouraging for me. I'm like, hey, if they can do it, we can do it. We can believe for God to move and for disciples to be made and for new Christians to come and for faith to, to extend beyond our personal into the people who are around us. What they do to avoid getting caught is they get into a car and they drive around and they listen to a sermon and talk about application to their life. And then they go and they probably share that with their loved ones who are close. And that is how the church is being spread in Afghanistan right now and in many parts of the world. 
That, my friends, is a miracle. Church, that is miraculous. That in the the midst of extreme persecution, the church is spreading. And it just makes me think, gosh, what am I doing here where I can walk on, you know, walk into most places and publicly proclaim my faith? And I can share with somebody without fear of being, you know, persecuted or killed. God, I pray you'd help us as we talk about miracles. God, you would open up our heart a little more. Um, God, you'd help us extend our faith, believe you for even greater. And God, I know for me, it's hard to believe for miracles sometimes, but I pray that you would help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today we're looking at the second sign, the second miraculous sign. It's in this... um, in the book of John, it's in the same town in Cana where the first one was. The first one, Pastor Andy preached last week about turning water into wine. Today, it's, again, we find ourselves here in Cana. And now, it's interesting. The way that John sets up the gospel is he has, he has a, a, a miracle take place. And then he's got a chapter, two chapters, three chapters sometimes of teaching. And that can be in different areas. And then again, he, he records another miracle. He does this seven times. It's miracle, teaching, or event, and events. Miracle, teaching, and events. And he sets this up. And he says, at the end of, the, the, of John, he says this. This is why I did it. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You may have life to the fullest, right? So right there, we kind of understand what is priority. What is the essentials and what is the most important? We sometimes confuse. There are, are, you know, times where Christians have confused seeking after miracles instead of seeking after Jesus and seeking after life transformation and seeking after growth in Christ, after discipleship, after becoming more like him. We confuse that, hey, these, I I just want an experience with Jesus. I want to feel Jesus. I want to, you know, see Jesus show up in this miraculous way. Great, but what's it for? Right here, he says, I'm recording these things. I'm telling you about these things because the most important thing there is, is life in Christ. I am recording these things, sharing so that you may know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is who he, is, he says he is and proclaims he is. And that you, each of us, can have fullness in life in Christ. So this morning as we work through this passage, the theme and kind of what we're hitting on is about belief how we believe, how we allow our faith to grow, how belief starts, and how we step out in our faith and believe God for greater things. And I'm going to wrap up at the end talking about how we can activate our faith and believe God for more. So we're going to jump in right into, this is John 4, we're going to start in 43, 
And this is kind of leading up to this miraculous event where Jesus heals this official son. 43 says, after the two days he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So he's coming in to where he grew up. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galatians welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. So he, he was in Jerusalem. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When the man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless, and then this is Jesus' response. Might be, seem a little strange, it does to me. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. There's two interesting phrases in here that kind of stand out a little, a little as harsh, and we're going we're gonna to address those. But first, it's important to understand that Jesus is, is coming into the city of Cana. This is in the region of Galilee. He grew up in Nazareth, which is a, a, a short distance from Cana. So they know who Jesus is. They, they all have, have heard... You know, they've seen him grow up. They've all heard about what's happened. Capernaum, where the, the official is coming from, whose son is sick on the verge of death, is about a day's journey. It's down near the Sea of Galilee. They're, they're up west, southwest in, in, um, Galilee, in, in that region. So it's a day's journey for him to get there. And it's interesting because Jesus has just come from a town called Sychar in Samaria. And the, the Samaritans, of course, we've talked about this before, are those who are, are kind of on the outcast. They are despised by Jewish people. They, um, the, the Jewish people, when they go from Galilee up to Judea, they avoid Samaria. They go around it to get there. And it talks about how Jesus was just in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. So Jesus in Cana had the, the, the turned the water into wine. And then at some point, they traveled around, most likely, to Judea, up into Jerusalem for this feast. And it said at that, at that, at that feast, Jesus did many miracles. That's where he overturned the, the tables in the temple. That's where he talked to the religious leaders, and we're going to get into this, but Nicodemus was there. Okay, then Jesus leaves there and goes down to the Jordan River, and he's baptizing. And that's where the encounter happens with John the Baptist. And he leaves there, and instead of going around Samaria, he goes through Samaria. And he encounters the woman at the well. And it says, and I missed, I've missed this for a, lo a, a lot of my life. It says he spent two days there with them. So he encounters this woman who's an outcast in the middle of the day and talks to her about living water, 
about the greatest miracle that he can offer. And she goes into this town and shares about this living water and that this guy has told her all her life. And the town invites Jesus in. He stays there two days. And he spends his time there. And here's what it says. When, when he, it says, it, you know, he, he's, he's about to leave. And it says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. No miracles were performed there. Jesus went in. He just spent time with them. He preached to them. He encountered, he, he had compassion on that woman. No miracles were performed or at least recorded. And he didn't reference them. He referenced them in Jerusalem. He didn't reference them in, Gal in Samaria. So from the text, no miracles were performed there. But they believed that he was the Son of God. And that... He was sent from God. So we've got this situation that right after this, he goes in, and, and what, were, what, was, what were those two lines? It says, a prophet has no honor in his country. So he's leaving Samaria where he's been two days, and he's seen transformation in the town. He's going in to his hometown. He says, a prophet has no honor here. And he also says this, unless he, he when, when the... Um, official comes and asks him to heal his, his child. He doesn't respond to the official. He looks around and he says, unless you people see a signs and wonders, you will never believe. And it's referencing back to what just happened. That he's in this place where Jewish people don't go. They are outcasts. They, they are not, they're, they're not worth Jesus' time. He spends two days there and sees transformation of probably many in that town it, it's referencing. And as he's entering to his hometown, he says a prophet is not welcome here. And he references, uh, you know, that, hey, unless you see miracles, you're not going to believe. Thinking back that, hey, these guys who are the outcast, who shouldn't be the ones to receive received me gladly, welcomed me in, embraced the message of the gospel of hope, of life in Jesus. And he's going into his hometown and he has this, this moment. And it says that those people, their response was they had heard for themselves. They had heard for themselves. And that stuck out to me because we have to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to, to not just believe it for other people. We have to hear it for ourselves. We have to embrace that as, hey, Jesus is life. He has transformed me. He can transform me. He can show up in miraculous, crazy, amazing ways. And we have to embrace that and believe for ourselves. And that's where it starts. That believing comes through hearing. We have to hear the word of God. We have to hear 
what Jesus is saying to us. We have to embrace what he's saying and hear it for ourselves. So often we go through life not really hearing it for ourselves. You know, pulling it in, holding on to it, believing it, not letting it go. The, the, it's not a, a, a hearing, it comes in and goes out. It's a hearing where it comes in and it goes deep. And the seeds are planted. And they begin to get stirred and grow into faith. It says they believed who Jesus was because of the word that, that they heard it for themselves. We have to hear it for ourselves. We also have to then take it and proclaim it. Because how are they, those who don't know Jesus, and maybe you're here and, and you're still trying to, to, to embrace that word, you're, you're a seeker. Great. Take it. Believe it. Test God, the, the scripture says, in this. Right? Like, you can test God when it comes to faith. But then we've got to take this and proclaim it because that is how the gospel goes. People have to hear to believe. That's what Jesus did as he walked through. He proclaimed life, everlasting life. Sometimes we seek after the miracles and we miss believing it for ourselves, grabbing onto the word of God. He has already, it is finished. He has already done it. And we can grab that and hold on to it. And that is our foundation. Never let it go. It was referenced, verse 45 says, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. This is right before that, it says a prophet's not welcomed in his own, is not, not honored in his own place. But then he says, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had heard what happened in Jerusalem during the Passover festival. You see, signs, wonders, life change, our testimony can open people's hearts to the gospel, to hearing the word, and then believing it for themselves. That's the whole point. That's what, that's what John said at the end. He says, this is the point, that you would believe it, that, that you would believe that he is the son of God and have life. That the, the signs and the wonders are not, be, not to, you know, to be an end in themselves. They are to open up people to the possibility of believing. And we see that here in Jerusalem. Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the, the leaders of, of the um, Jewish people at the time. And he, he sees what's going on. He sees what Jesus is doing there. And he comes to Jesus. And he says, he says, you must be a great teacher sent from God. He doesn't fully believe yet. But he's open to believing. He's like, I've seen what you've done. You must be a great teacher sent from God. There, there must be something there. His interest was piqued. He's like, okay, maybe, possibly, you are the one we've been believing for. 
And Jesus has this conversation with him, which is cool, about being born again. And, he, and he's like, how can, what, born again? He says, not of flesh and blood, but of the spirit. That you'd be born of the spirit, that you'd be, that, that there's new life, that there's living water, that you, you can have an abundant life in me. And here's his concluding statement, John, which you guys are very familiar with. Even if you've never been to church, John 3, 16 and 17. Right at the end of this interaction with Nicodemus, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What a proclamation of the gospel. And what happened? What's, what's, that's not the end of the story for Nicodemus. We see two more accounts with Nicodemus. A little later when Jesus is being questioned by the other Jewish leaders, Nicodemus comes to his defense and says, hey, let's hear him out. Nicodemus was there. And then at the end of Jesus' life, after his death, Nicodemus played a pivotal role in his body being prepared for burial and providing some of the spices and being there for Jesus after he was dead. How cool is that? That his life was transformed. He, the miracles gave him an openness. It was the encounter in the word of God, the truth, that transformed his life. It's the word and the spirit that transforms and renews us. As we believe for ourselves, as we embrace the gospel, we can see miracles happen right in our lives and all around us. As we proclaim Christ, as we go and share what God has done in our lives, God will show up and miracles will happen. Verse 46 tells us that this royal official is coming to, to see Jesus because he heard he's coming and he has a, a sick son who's on the verge of dying. He, he, he could have sent a servant to go to Jesus, right? He was a royal official. He has servants. We see later. But we know that if your son is on the verge of death, you're desperate. You will do anything. So he leaves his son. Can you imagine? On the verge, it might be the last time he sees his son. He leaves his son on his deathbed and takes a day's journey to just hope he meets Jesus because he's heard what he has done. He, he grew up in the same region. He probably, he probably heard stories of John the Baptist you know, pointing to Jesus as, hey, he's the one who, 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 who I'm pointing to. He's the one who's come. Let's believe in him. He probably heard what happened in, in, in the last miracle in Canaan, water into wine. And he's just thinking, maybe, maybe there's help there. Maybe if I, I, I get there, Jesus can help me. I'm desperate. I'll do anything, right? Have you been desperate before? Yeah, we all have. We've all been desperate before. 
and we will do anything, especially when it's about our, our child or a loved one. So he leaves and he goes to Jesus. Our circumstances, especially desperate circumstances, sometimes it's just difficult and hard, but our circumstances can often open us up to believe God for the impossible. He just thought, thought maybe Jesus can do this. I'm going to go. And sometimes God uses our circumstances, our difficult times, to open us up to believing God a little more. Right? I mean, life has its challenges. We're, in, we're at the beginning of 2023. When we start a new year, we always take some time to dedicate to Jesus and say, God, this is what I'm believing for this year. And a lot of times we're like, okay, I'm having a financial difficulties or I'm believing God for this or whatever it is. I want, I want to challenge us and myself. Let's believe God for great things that will not just help us, but will honor him. And we'll bring glory to him, and we'll see his kingdom extended. As we go into a time of devotion this week, and prayer, and fasting, and you download the, the devotional book, and you follow along as we're doing that together, and we're doing that as a corporate body around the world, ask God, what should I believe for this year? What, what miracle do you want to do in my life? What miracle do you want to do in the people around me? I want to be used by you in miraculous ways. When I was 16, that was a long S, um, I was just thinking if it was 16 or 17. Um, growing up, I was, I, was a, um, I was a swimmer and diver. I was a diver. I was a, ended up being a collegiate diver. I worked out multiple times a day, you know, it's kind of those, the elite sport type of thing. Um, and doing a, a, learning a new dive, I came out of the, I think it was a reverse two and a half, I came out and dropped my legs, and sometimes they do these bubbles. Have you ever seen those in a pool? Bubbles to, to soften your thing. Well, it's great for softening if you smack. But if you go in and you're loose, sometimes it can hurt you. Loose, not tight, not straight. Um, so this is, we're going to get there, I promise. So I go in and I fracture L3-4 of, of my, my back. Just, it's like a it's hairline fracture. It didn't completely separate, but fractured L3-4. And for probably uh, about a year to two years, year and a half, it hurt, and I had, to, I had to take some time off. I did lots of therapy, lots of rehab, and it hurt. I just dealt with a little bit of pain, and I made sure that I was tight going in the water. Um, for about a year, I couldn't sleep in my bed because it was, you know, I couldn't sleep on a mattress. I had to sleep on the ground. So I made a pallet, and I slept on the ground, uh, you know, next to my bed for about a year. And during, over that year, I became a Christian and got part of this group that was like full of faith and we we're meeting on Saturday nights and seeing people come to know Jesus and it was exciting and fun and I was going to church a lot and you know how it is when you young person just become 
you know, passionate about Jesus. And I was part of this group who believed that God could do miraculous things. And they knew I was sleeping on the ground. So they started praying for me. We got around, laid hands on me, and they prayed for me, right? Well, it didn't get better. Months go by, and they pray for me again. Anybody done this? You know, months, nothing happens. Months go by. They pray for me again. Nothing happens. And then there was a moment where I kind of hurt my back. I tweaked it a little, and I was in pain. And I went to the meeting, and uh, my mentor and some of the other, other high schoolers who um, were there, they're like, okay, we're going to pray again. It's like, yeah, sure, let's pray. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm in pain. I want healing. And they prayed, right? It got worse. Like, the pain got really bad as they were praying. Strange. It was weird. Um, and I was in pain. So I went home that night. I lay down on the floor and, you know, about to go to bed. And I just was, like, praying to God, God, I don't get this. Why is it getting worse when they pray? Why, why haven't you shown? What, what's going on? I read these things in the Bible. I believe it. You know, what is going on? And so I, I fall asleep. And it was in the middle of the night. I don't know what time, but it's in the middle of the night. I wake up, and I just have this thought in my mind. Jesus healed me. Just, just popped in my mind. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then I fell back asleep, I think. Um, I know kind of that, you know, mid-dreaming, you know, awake type of thing. Like, did this really happen? And then after that, I didn't have any more pain. Even diving for, for multiple more years. When I get sick, I will say, I don't know, this is just one of those things. When I get sick, I do sometimes feel a little tinge in my back. You know, but that's probably just being old. Okay. <laughs> But Jesus healed me. I know he healed me. I know that that was a miraculous healing that Jesus did. I, I have prayed for people and seen people not get healed. I've prayed for people and occasionally, rarely, seen people get healed quickly, right there. And, but usually, God does something over time and is doing a work in their life, and we don't know. That's why I started out saying, I have so many questions about miracles. I don't get it. Like, why do they happen and sometimes not? What is, what is, how does God work this out? I don't know. And there's theology behind this, and we can go, you know, that would just be a long sermon. We'd be here all day. We're not doing that. But what I will say is that God works. He is powerful. He is mighty. If we will believe him, he will show up. And he will work in our lives and in the lives around us. All right. I, I read half the, the, the verse, and I'm, we're going to finish by reading the second half and, and wrap this. Starting in 49, here comes the miracle. The royal official, official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus says, Go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Yeah. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. He just traveled a whole day. His son is lying sick, you know, on his deathbed. He implores Jesus for the second time to come, and Jesus said, it's done. And this man 
believed, walked away and believed them. Probably had to stay the night because it's unsafe to travel during the night and wake up in the morning and go to see his son. That's crazy. But he didn't try to pull Jesus. He didn't try to demand that Jesus come with him. He believed Jesus and he went. God, give me that faith, right? I mean, that we would believe Jesus that he could do great things, that he's a miracle worker, that the people around us, their lives are important to him and he wants to move in their lives, that we can believe even for them for great things. It goes on, it says, pretty emotional. While he, still, he was still on the way, his servant met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So, so he and his whole household believed. Belief comes through encountering Jesus' power and his compassion. That Jesus is compassion. He looked out on the crowds often with compassion. He shows compassion when the sick are in front of him and the hurting. Those who are without, the, the woman at the well, he goes to them. He goes out of his way to encounter those who are hurting and who are lost. And he calls us to do the same. That he would, that in his name, we would be full of compassion. And in his name, we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we would go and make a difference in the people's lives who are around us. We're not in Afghanistan where we have to do this all driving around in a, in a car. We can walk out of here to the lazy Labrador and talk to somebody about Jesus if we wanted to. That's not always the best way to do it. Usually it happens by intentionally loving on someone, building a relationship, walking with them over time, being there when they're in trouble or they're in need or they need prayer for a miracle. All right, will you stand? Do we do that here? I don't think we do that. We're doing it now. Um, belief. Belief comes by hearing the word through reason and understanding. Comes through experiences and testimonies, hearing people's testimonies. It comes through miraculous things happening in our lives and around us. But it comes where it comes in the most miraculous way is when we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. And we walk into his kingdom and we begin to live with fullness of life and victory. And we go and we make a difference in the world around us because that is what we are called to do as Christ's followers. How we activate our faith, I told you I'd get there, is that we seek God. This week, we have an opportunity to seek God. Every day we do. But as a church, we're setting this week aside to seek God. Let's do that. We obey. We hear like that official did. And we take, 
We take God at his word, even if it is out there and we obey. In our obedience, we will experience the love, the compassion, the goodness, and the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, God says, share that with those around us. Lord, help us walk in your ways. Help us believe you for great things. And help us make a difference um, in the people's lives around us. In Jesus' name, amen.